Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work. Good afternoon and welcome to Engage for Success Radio show number 423, how repositioning well-being within organizations is uh, 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 he says is redefining, which isn't, I don't think, the um, the end of the sentence. <laughs> anyway, this show is going to be an interesting one. Happy New Year, I will say. Uh, it's good to, to be back after the, the break um, and uh, into 2022. Um, so I'm Jo Dodds. I'm uh, your host today. I'm an engagement consultant within the Engage Success core team. The Engage Success movement is an inclusive movement committed to the idea that there is a better way to work by releasing more of the capability and potential of people at work. We spread the word about employee engagement and shine a light on good practice, inspiring people and workplaces to thrive. And we're widely supported across the UK, involving the public, private and third sectors. If you go to our website, which is engagesuccess.org, you can use the link at the bottom of the page to join our newsletter list. And all our social media links are there too. So my guests, today might vary. I am expecting three. We currently have two. So we have um, David Evans, Alistair Aitchison, and we're expecting Fiona Anderson, and uh, she's not yet with us, so uh, we're hoping she'll uh, pop up as we as we go. So um, welcome, Alistair and David. Hello, Joe. Good afternoon. So did you want to start by just uh, explaining who you are and your connection to the movement? So David, did you want to start? Okay, yeah. Again, I'm David Evans and a founding member and partner of the company MNX. We've been engaged, engaged. We've been working with the Engage for Success movement almost since it started. Um, working, I've been working partly with the Southeast region, and we've done some work centrally as well in London. But we've always maintained a healthy relationship uh, with the movement, and we joined the conferences and so on. Uh, this uh, this work today uh, reflects our active involvement in working with customers, in particular, who are trying desperately to improve their engagement. But of course, times change, and today's topic is much more about what's happening now, as we see it, around the world of engagement. Lovely, thank you. And Alistair, doesn't sound like we can hear Alistair. Let me click a few buttons and see if I can improve that situation. Oh, sorry. Alistair, can, can you hear me now? Oh, we can, yes, sorry. It's the sorry, system, Alistair. but now we're fine. <laughs> hit the mute button. Such a common occurrence in these days. Uh, yeah, as David said, I, I'm, a, I'm another of the uh, the partners of uh, MNX. We're an organizational transformation uh, consultancy. We have organizations that are going through change with the people side of change. And as David said, our association with Engage for Success uh, goes back to days of Engage for Success, and uh, we've enjoyed um, following that journey as we uh, watch the importance of employees within organizations um, as they have come to the fore in helping organizations to be successful in what they're doing. No more so has that been exposed as uh, through the last 18 months as we've been locked down this uh, pandemic. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I don't know uh, which of you um, can answer this question, but um, we're talking today about the uh, recent report that uh, we've published, Redefining the Wealth Generation Ecosystem. Um, hmm. Can someone just explain where, where that's come from? So who, who wrote the report and, and, uh, and how it came about before we talk about what's actually in it? 
Okay, well, it's a, it's a truly collaborative report. Um, Fiona, Alistair, and uh, Gesson, um sorry, just forgotten his surname for a second, um, have put a lot of work... Sorry? Gethin Nadine. Thank you. Um, those three in particular have put, a, put their heads together and worked hard to really understand going on out there right now in terms of the, the effects, not the fallout, but the effects of this last 18 months or so uh, and its impact upon engagement, its impact upon those people leading firms and the impact upon employees in those firms. So a great deal of change going on, as we understand. But what are, the, what are kind of, if you like, the key findings? And what's pointing to the future of work, uh, in, certainly in professional settings, for the mm-hmm. staff and their leaderships? Mm-hmm. Maybe just to add to that. What, sorry. Yes, go on. Alistair. Sorry, Joe. I was just going to add to that and say what we've done is connected in two of the thought action groups, yeah. the tags, um, one around, around well-being. And we've looked at, actually, what's the connection between these, in particular the connection into the, our main topic of employee engagement. And we've, we've looked at the evidence out there and brought that together. Um, that are helping us understand the connection and how this whole ecosystem comes together um, to give a much clearer picture of where engagement really has this broad influence across many aspects of what we do within our organizations. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Lovely. So as you say, it's a collaboration between two thought and action groups, the wellbeing group and the people productivity group. Um, and I'm, I think it was about two or three months ago that the report was uh, was actually published and put on the website and it's uh, available for people to see. Well, I think we have Fiona joining us. Let me just, uh, just check. Fiona. Hello. 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 Ah, Can you hear me now? <laughs> yes. Yeah, just in the nick of time, Fiona. So we've just Thank uh, you introduced so much. <laughs> we've introduced David and Alistair. We've talked about where the report came from, the fact that it's a collaboration between the two tags. Perhaps you could just explain who you are and what your connection is to the um, the work. I will do, and thank you very much for your patience. So, um, yes, my, my background is being is a culture catalyst, so uh, my change expert, and I'm a, um, a very active volunteer with an engaged success. So, through collaboration um, within the network, then I'm here shining a light on people and behaviours, and the impact that they have on productivity and company performance. And bottom line, that's my area of expertise and how I've contributed. So thank you very much for having us online. Lovely, thank you. So let's start by talking about what the key issues are that the the report addresses. So um, David, do you want to start? Okay, of course, yes. Well, followers of Engaged for Success are only too familiar with uh, the factors that have hindered high levels of employee engagement over the years. And for organizations that have endured poor overall engagement, then they would have seen staff attrition has been often been a, a kind of continuous price they've had to pay, not dealing adequately with, with you know, all the aspects that, that comprise poor engagement. And so today we know that companies are continuing to deal with the fallout or the consequences, I should say, of Brexit. But of course, COVID-19 has been so disrupted the world of work and it's served, as we see it, it's served enormously to strengthen much further the kind of positive shift in the power for employees. In fact, mm-hmm. uh, very recent surveys from McKinsey and Microsoft, an in-house report, have both reported figures 
of 40% now of employees intending to move on in some way from those companies they've surveyed. Mm. So generational effects aside, employees have been reassessing uh, their attitudes towards work and in particular how present and any future roles can align more purposefully to their personal values and where they might choose, if you will, to place their future loyalty uh, to, to, to the companies and, and, and the, the teams they work with. Mm-hmm. And, uh, now part of that known as the, the great resignation, isn't it? That's what, what everyone's talking about at the moment. <laughs> indeed, indeed, indeed. <laughs> Lovely. And so, Alistair, the, the well-being aspect of it. Yeah, what, what we've seen, particularly over this last 18 months uh, during lockdown, is well-being as an issue which often sat on the periphery of organizations, or what we call in the attic, if we take the analogy of a house as a metaphor. Um, it was one of those issues where as long as you're providing bike-to-work schemes, good food in the fridge, um, health care, so often it was a kind of benefits approach to well-being and, uh, of, of our employees. What we've seen, however, is well-being has taken much more of a central role and it now has to be built into the core, or, or if we again come back to the metaphor of the house, it needs to be built into the foundations of what we're doing. It's no it's actually central to us being able to attract, retain, and maintain the um, really the, the the core capabilities of our people is looking after both their physical and mental well-being. So we see this shift from well-being on the periphery to well-being in the strategic focus for organizations. Mm-hmm. And Fiona, the, the perennial uh, favorite, productivity. Where, where <laughs> <that coming? laughs> yes, I think it's really useful to look at the, the definition of productivity first, because I don't know about you, but it's kind of linked to the manufacturing sector and widgets, etc., isn't it? And, and yeah. yet we probably use it in our in our description of, of our day, I've had a really productive day or I've really had a tough productive day. So let's look at what it, what it first means. And it means that the definition we all agreed upon was the greater economic wealth for every hour we work. So goodness me, what does that all mean? Well, in um, pre-COVID, the Office for National Statistics reported that we in the UK are 30% lower than the USA and 35% lower than Germany. And um, interestingly enough, Scandinavian countries score the highest and that appears to be linked with that work-life balance. Um, and and as, as we, we're aware, employee engagement is, is that enabler for productivity. And based on the results pre-COVID, in terms of employee engagement, engagement one out of three employees are not creating economic wealth when compared to our competitors. Now, that's huge, isn't it? Um, mm. And if you want to explore that, what that might be costing your business, then do take a look at the Cost of Culture blog that we've already got on, on the website at Engage for Success. You can find out more information there for you. Um, so take a look at the diagram on page two and page eight, um, the wealth generation system. And it, it really is about how we connect rationally and emotionally in our responses to the, to the existing world we're in and the future world. And it highlights how we increase productivity, how an increase in productivity supports UK recovery from the pandemic. 
because it's that link between productivity and public purse through greater um, um, profits for the, the companies, greater income hopefully as a result for the employees, all contributing to the public purse uh, mm. through tax revenue and then therefore releasing more funds for public services and how to recover from that pandemic and linking right back into the emotions and understanding how my purpose as an employee links into the company purpose or even as a future employee, how do I link into the, the company purpose based on my mm. life purpose? By asking mm. my question of myself, why do I exist? And there I've got my life purpose and also the company purpose. So we really encourage people to connect in at that logical and that emotional um, area to, to really um, combine and achieve that peak productivity. Mm-hmm. Thank you. So, Alistair, how are we seeing organisations responding to, to these issues? Yeah, we're really seeing leadership teams start to look at the culture of their organization and ask questions about how how appropriate is the culture to truly this need for us to engage and listen to the voice of our employees. There's been a quite a, a significant surge in the physical safety and we're seeing organizations starting to take that concept and use work with, from the likes of um, Dr. Tim Clark, the four stages of psychological safety, and really assess their organizations, looking at how are we truly including our employees? Is it safe for them to be part of the conversation? Is it safe for them to learn and to experiment? Is it safe for them to contribute towards the And most important, what they call that threshold of innovation, is it safe for them to challenge the status quo? And organizations and, and organizations hold up this great innovative, then you've got to have a culture which allows for individuals to be able to challenge the status quo, that it's safe for them to do so, that they'll be rewarded as a result of that, and the organization benefits from that. So what we see today is leadership teams finally starting to take this issue of well-being, of their employee engagement, around this key issue of psychological safety, evaluating their culture, and then starting to focus on their own individual behaviours and how do we change the culture that allows these things to take place. Mm-hmm. And uh, David, what are your thoughts on, on how organisations are responding to the issues? Well, I think with, with this massive increase in focus on well-being, the other aspect of the last 18 months or so, of course, is that employees, many for the first time, have experienced working from home, working in a different way. And with technology support, they've, they've learned to become proficient and to collaborate effectively with colleagues despite working you know, in, a, in a more solo fashion. Now, of course, organizations themselves are adapting to this way of working, and many firms, as we know, are setting firm plans in place for hybrid working with various patterns. But it seems to us that hybrid working is very much here to stay. And again, it does reflect somewhat, at least, the, the, the shift as we see it for, for employees to be in a more powerful position, uh, as, we've both, as we've all touched upon just now. Mm-hmm. And Fiona? 
Yes, so so building on the well-being, the employee engagement, the culture and the smarter working. Um, looking at the employee experience and reflecting that through into the customer experience is an area where, where um, leaders are focusing. Um, and we're absolutely firm believers that um, your employee experience feeds your customer experience. And if I'm having a bad day as an employee, then guess what? My customers, and they're going to be my colleagues, they're not customers, are likely to be impacted in some way. It might be through lower productivity, it might be a failed deadline, it might be poor attention to detail, it could be even a snappy response from me, goodness of all. Um, and they all result in, in customers having to take time to resolve an issue by connecting back into the organisation. And guess what? That's a complaint. Um, failure demand, as John Seddon would call it. And that further um, lowers productivity and adds even more stress to your people and your systems. So organisations who recognise that the impact of the link between employee experience and customer experience are proactively caring about their staff, they're mm -hmm. caring about their emotional well-being, and that's not a word that was often in the workplace, emotional well-being. Mm -hmm. um, they're caring about their experience as an employee. And this is through, in where it's working, it's happening through human connection. And that's human mm -hmm. connection with managers and colleagues, a choice about flexible working, about self-support groups established and being encouraged, about coaching, about confidential access to human beings who can really help. And there's a difference between a helpline and human beings who can really help. Um, being able to signpost and people outside organizations with tools and techniques. But the key to all of this is the upskilling and, and supporting their staff to recognize the signals, to be able to ask the right questions of each other, more, and importantly, to listen and take action. And mm -hmm. it's especially become clear, I think, um, Joe, you'll be noticing this as, as Lotta, where executives are, are sharing their experience of vulnerability. They're encouraging um, those um, conversations. And hopefully they're actually um, looking at their board, um, their executive team membership to uh, make sure they've got some people-centered um, uh, people on board. You've got a mm -hmm. line of sight into what's key to employees and customer experience. Mm -hmm. And, of course, that all has to be ba balanced with clarity about a shared understanding of the company performance, both the good and the bad. Employees really need to know what's happening with the company, especially when, they're, when they might be working remotely. And obviously, they need to understand the priorities for next week, next month. And also, just as, as importantly for them, is they need to know what's expected of them and what's, what they are able to agree about what's expected of them, what they can deliver. Um, individually and collectively. Mm -hmm. And um, Fiona, staying with you, what, what about organisations if they haven't already sort of got started on on doing something, um, you know, on this journey? What 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 should they be doing? What what actions can they be taking? So certainly, um, one of the first steps. So working in the in the soft areas of of um, culture changes we do and people's behaviour is all about people. Um, we've, we've identified over the years that if people aren't doing anything about it now, then currently it, it could be because they're overwhelmed and reacting to the impact of COVID, or they don't understand why it's important to them and their business. They just don't get it. So first of all, the first thing to do really um, is to look at the data, to be able to provide data that holds up the mirror um, with facts with figures, with, and most importantly, with bottom line impact um, that your executives can no longer ignore. 
And this can include um, looking at the cost of your existing culture. And that's quite difficult to equate um, along with the return on investment. And there's more details about um, measuring the existing culture in the how-to guide on page 11 in the report number three. Mm -hmm. um, you obviously need to understand what your customers and, pe and your people are telling you, the employee voice, and, and what you're going to do as a result. You need to understand things like why people are leaving you and the barriers to recruitment, um, including how your competitors are recruiting. And this doesn't have to be costly. There's support through Engage Success, there's links, there's apps readily available. Um, but what about the data you do collect and what are you currently sharing with your executive team? Because in today's world, how appropriate have you actually measured or looked at or even questioned how appropriate the data is that you're sharing? Um, does it contain lag measures? In other words, it's looking backwards. And really how relevant is, is, is looking backwards in this ever-changing world? How valid is that? Mm -hmm. Or is it lead measurements where it's in the moment in today's world for your people? Is it qualitative? Are you really getting the voice of your employees? Because guess what? It's your people that have your solutions. Or is it and is it quantitative where you can provide facts and figures for the executive team to um, understand the performance and the bottom line? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. lots of areas there, not, not always the um, reality of businesses looking into those really soft uh, measures and being able to apply them in a way that they understand the impact in, in the bottom line, because that's where your decision makers really need to understand what's happening, that impact mm. on the bottom line, and and approach it with that to, for that rational, logical executive who's making the decision. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Fiona. So, um, David, what do you think organisations can be doing if they haven't got started already? Well, I think there's, there's one big thing they should be doing. I think that uh, Alistair and, and Fiona have both touched upon already. It's back to this topic of, of executive or senior leadership. Um, we, we've seen over many years the struggle that Engage for Success contributors have had in getting senior leadership teams to really own the culture sustainably uh, over time and, and drive that culture down through the company. In other words, um, we think it's, there's, there's now a truly strategic imperative for senior teams to shape their vision and purpose hand in hand with a very clear set of values and importantly associated behaviors that they expect to see the how things get done, if you like, in a company. It's only by owning these values in a sustainable way at the very top of can they hope to eliminate what I think we've all seen in the past are disparate often inconsistent behaviors which are witnessed day to day from department to department, from team to team. And these are the kinds of, this, this disparate variation is what's led, of course, to so much of the contribution to harmful engagement. So a strategic framework that shows employees how things can be done consistently, sustainably, should we say, um, and in turn strengthen the word we haven't yet used, strengthen the trust that needs to exist long-term between employees, their managers, and the senior executive team. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And Alistair, your thoughts on that question? Yeah, I'd really extend on what David's just said there about looking at and revisiting um, the competency framework uh, that extends out of the values of the organization. 
and asking the questions around how, how do we build well-being in as a strategic priority to the organization? And how does that reflect itself upon the expectations that we've got of people at all levels within the organization in, in how they behave? Um, particularly line managers and senior leadership. This really needs to start from the top. Um, again, one of the, the aspects of well-being in the past has been this um, almost from the ground up um, by providing it from a benefit perspective that hopefully it will kind of pervade its way through the organization. Whereas we're really flipping that on its head now and suggesting to executive teams that they really need to take a strong look at the core values, at the behaviours that extend out of there, and they need to be the ones that are role modelling true attention to the well-being, both mental and physical care of their employees. And mm -hmm. as organisations, people within organisations, as they as they start to recognise that, then they start to follow that. Because as leaders, you are the architects of the culture. You're the ones that are shaping what they, what's deemed to be acceptable behaviour for the organisation. And so mm -hmm. it's really, really critical that leaders um, show the way ahead by role modelling themselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Lovely, thank you. So we're, we're just moving into the last sort of four minutes of the show. It does fly by rather quickly. <laughs> um, yes. So you've got a minute each to, to tell me what organisations can um, do to, to look for help if they need it. Where can they go? What can they think about? So, uh, David. Well, I think very briefly that there's so much internal expertise in organisations that can address these topics. I guess it comes under the broad umbrella of, of the HR professionals in, in many, so many firms. But their voice, as we all know, is very rarely heard and their influence is rarely, very felt consistently in the boardroom. So, for, you know, let's, for goodness sake, let's have firms reach into this expertise and these professionals and have them be much stronger contributors to, 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 the, way, to the world of work in the future. Mm -hmm. Lovely. Thank you. And Fiona? Well, of course, I have to um, fly the flag for Engage for Success. That's 10 years of freely sharing skills and expertise. So thought leadership yeah. reports like ours and white papers, videos, radio shows like this, blogs, events, um, thought and action groups, regional and global networks, theme networks, people productivity, the one I run. So um, lots and lots of um, materials, resources, um, all free on Engage for Success website. Lovely, thank you. You can come again. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Alistair, your thoughts? Uh, yeah, and complementary to that is this whole ecosystem of providers, organisations, individuals with expertise like ourselves, um, and starting using, leveraging that capability through coaching and mentoring through to sort of full consultancy. But there is extensive capabilities that's out there, um, not necessarily the, the big organizations. Fiona, David, myself, Gethin, we're, you know, we work for relatively small organizations, as do many of our listeners today, um, who have accumulated expertise over our careers and over the time that we've been working with organizations. And it's really tapping into that expertise. Uh, on top of the, that kind of free help that's available uh, to bring these solutions to the fore. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
Lovely. Thank you. So um, we literally only just have a couple of minutes left. <laughs> so Fiona, just um, very briefly, what's the next plan for the uh, follow-up to the report? So what we're currently doing, and it should be available in the next couple of weeks, is a PowerPoint pack so that you can take it to share with your executive team um, and ignite that interest, really spark the interest into this emotional and rational connection for the, the new ecosystem going forward. Lovely, thank you. And if you're not already on our mailing list, I joining the mailing list because uh, once that goes onto the website, it will be mentioned in our newsletter, no doubt, um, which is a good way of uh, keeping up to date with lots of things, all those things that uh, Fiona mentioned earlier in terms of events and activities and all that sort of stuff too. So if you just go to our website and go to the bottom of the page, you'll see there's a, an option to join the, the newsletter list there and we send a newsletter every Monday. So thank you to Alistair, Fiona and David for joining me today. It's been great to have you here. And as I said, it has just flown by. <laughs> Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Joe, very much. <laughs> much appreciated. So, so to let you know, Andy Gorham will be back next week, and he's talking to Jane Sunley, who's founder of Purple Cubed, and they're talking about post-pandemic overwhelm. And uh, let's not forget that these shows are planned a year in advance at the moment, so we're a bit optimistic on the post bit, but uh, I'm sure they'll have lots of useful content to share next week for when we are post-pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work.